everybody. <laughs> hey, welcome to this edition of Bible News Radio. Glad that you're here with us this week. It is getting close to Christmas time, thus the little Christmas tree behind me. I hope that as you are going through the hustle and bustle of the season, that you're actually taking time to breathe through your nose, taking a deep breath, and allowing yourself to take in, as they say, the reason for the season, which would be Jesus and the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I don't know about you, but my life changed when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And there's something about Christmas in particular that causes people to want to give gifts because of all the marketing. (laughs) But I have to tell you that we have to also consider receiving the gift from heaven that was given to us. That would be Jesus himself. So, Merry Christmas. Let me say that to you first. And let me thank you for tuning in, whether you're watching live or to the archive. If you are live, please tell us, say hi on whatever platform you're on. And we will say hi back if we see it. Also, I'll let you know pretty soon we will be launching a, uh, a sh- our, another platform. We're, we're going to be on Rumble, R-U-M-B-L-E. We're going to be over there because it um, <clears throat> seems to be a platform that doesn't get censored nearly as much as these other platforms are. So we got some good friends over there on that platform. So we're going to jump over there as well. Just so you know, you've been warned, as Randall always says. And by the way, speaking of Bareface, a.k.a. Randall K. Harp, uh, that was that music at the top was composed by my handsome hunky husband. Yeah, it was. And that was called, um, that was Restful Yearning, I believe. You, Randall, you want to talk about that a little bit? There he is, the man in red. Um, here I am, the man in red. Um, yeah, talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I just uh, decided to, you know, compose something new. And, you know, started with a chord progression that I liked. And um, I was going for something definitely emotional, but it's something more corporate. But it didn't go that way. I just had to, you know, I I just follow the music where it leads. It kind of, you know, you hear it and it it says, do this, add this, do that, and... And um, I often took that approach back in yesteryear when I played in a Christian band. It was, even though I wrote some of the material, you know, originated some of the songs, a lot of the songs it didn't. And when I didn't, I would just listen and it's like, well, what's missing? It needs this, it needs that. And, and I just hear things. And Yeah, you do. And so try my best to create them. So what's really cool is Randall is a, a, a composer, you know, which is somebody who hears all that stuff in his head and then somehow he takes it and he's able to put it put it out into the universe. If you go to our Facebook page, in fact, go to facebook.com forward slash Bible News Radio. If you go there, I actually have a pinned post up there. It's Randall's song. He actually arranged it. He didn't write it, but he arranged uh, Carol of the Bells. Yeah. Right? right. And put, put a video to it that you made and stuff. Yeah, because, so. you know, if you're going to 
put a song, you know, kind of audio up on a visual platform like Facebook. I mean, you can't just put a, a still picture with audio. And I don't know, it just seemed that I had to go, something to go with it, something visual. So I thought, well, I might as well create a video to go with it, just mm. using stock footage and yeah. few effects. Well, it's very good. And that song, Restful Yearning, you just played, actually um, made me cry. First oh. time I heard it, I was overwhelmed. I was like, oh, look at this, so emotional. It's so good. So where can people go get it if they want to listen to it? or get? They want to listen to it. And um, doing a little resizing here. Uh, they can find it on a Song Trader. That's S-O-N-G-T-R-A-D-R. Like song trader without an e, <laughs> song trader, and songtrader.com forward slash Randall K Harp. Just squash my first name, middle initial, and last name together. Uh, songtrader.com forward slash Randall K Harp, and I've got three uh, tracks up there right now, and um, you know, working on adding more as time goes by. Yeah, very very cool. So let's so. consider that. Our little early Christmas gift to you guys. If you like music, just go over to Song Trader and then look at Randall's name and you'll find it and then you can listen to it. And if you know somebody who needs to buy it for a, for a presentation or something, you can also get it through there and see the various costs that it costs for whatever platform, you know? All right. Okay, so now here's what I want to do. I want to tell you tonight, today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the headlines that I've seen this week, um, including the one about artificial intelligence um, replacing God and the ramifications of that. And I have to tell you that um, earlier this past weekend, uh, I had the opportunity to listen to a message that uh, Pastor Billy Crone gave uh, on the C-19 issue. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, there is a pandemic going on here. And um, I, ha- I have to tell you that, that unfortunately, now we have to be very careful on these platforms because they're censoring us. And if you have only a few strikes on your thing, you can lose your channel. And I just have to tell you that um, if you're not on my email list, go over to hearttug.org or biblenewsradio.com which is right here, and get on my email list because I'm emailing you info that you can get in my email. So far, MailChimp hasn't <laughs> hasn't stopped us, which was nice. Um, but that's why these other platforms are, are really good. Did you want to say something else? Yeah, well, on, on the subject of blocking, mm-hmm. uh, we've been temporarily blocked on Facebook mm. because it says, it looks like you're misusing this feature by going too fast. I don't know if we're talking too fast or covering too much material. You've been temporarily blocked from using it. Nice. If you think this doesn't go against our community standards, let us know. So I'm kind of curious what going too fast (laughs) means, but we violated their community standards by going too fast on Facebook Live. Okay, well, that's just another (laughs) reason to go on Rumble. Hey, are you ready to rumble? Yeah, you are. You know what? The girl has some fight in her. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
I'm just saying, okay, but before we get into that, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get into the word because this week as, um, as I, like I said, as I was listening to Billy Crone and some of the latest stuff that he's done, the, the, you know, the, the thing, um, you know, and then I was reading in the word, there were, there were, there were a couple of things that really came to my heart and I just want to encourage you because I know, look, this is, these are difficult times most of us are living in. Some of you are living in another universe and you don't really care what's going on, but we live in hard times. And so in the book of 1 John, chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, uh, we read the following, and I'm, what version are you in there? NASB. <laughs> okay. NASB 95, your favorite? Yeah, except I'm not reading that one. I'm reading, the, I'm, I'm reading the Christian Standard Version, but that's okay. That's my fault. I didn't tell you. Um, but I'll, I'll read it off the screen. So then it says here, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us, for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out, so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. Um, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, uh, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. So as I, as I was putting together the show this week and thinking about things, I was really convicted with the idea of walking, you know, in the darkness versus walking in the light. Um, and you know, this passage came to my mind, not don't love the world. Don't love the things in the world, you know, cause everything in the world, the lust of the flesh eyes and the pride in one's own possessions or the pride of life, depending on what version you're looking at, all of that stuff is going to pass away. 
all of it. And we have, um, like we talked about last week, we have an advocate with the Father, right? If we sin, we know that that Jesus comes and he advocates on our beha- on our behalf, and that we, you know, we have we have that anointing and that protection because we're children of His. We're not children of darkness, um, and so we can walk in peace. We can walk in hope. We can walk with confidence and boldness because we know who we belong to, and we can see the stuff going around, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and, and, you know, we were talking about this, the, you know, the whole thing going on in the world. And there's really two major worldviews at this point. There's the one worldview where the worldly media is telling you run for the hills, you know, Uh, there's a new virus out and there's this, there's that, and blah, you know, everybody's dropping dead and, you know, and all this other stuff. And then there's the other worldview, which is being called a conspiracy theorist, a conspiracy theory, um, which, which is saying, well, wait, wait a minute, hold on just a second. There's this going on here, 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 and here, and here, and here, and over here. And you know what I personally think? I think there's a middle ground. I think that there is um, middle ground. I don't believe, and and if you know me at all, you know this, but I don't believe everything I hear from Christians, okay? I don't believe everything I hear from Christian ministries out there. I think the very fact that we had so many false prophets and teachers prophesy that Donald Trump was going to be president for another, you know, um, presidency period. term that's the world sorry menopause anyway for another term the fact that we had so many false teachers and false prophets out there prophesying this and didn't come to pass should tell you what you need to know about the false teachers of our day there are a ton of them out there right um so i don't believe what i hear from certain big false name prophets today Uh, but if you look at the evidence and and you know where evidence carries you it's very logical that you know you follow the evidence you know Josh McDowell he's got some problems but he did pen a good book called evidence that demands a verdict when he was trying to disprove the resurrection of Christ right and he found all this evidence that supports well Jesus did rise from the dead and here's the thing if something in the world is trying to turn your face away from Christ then you know that you need to get away from that thing and it is really easy to get mesmerized and blinded by the media of today because it's completely designed to mesmerize you, seduce you, and to sucker you into their worldview, right? Billy Crone has done a great uh, series on that, on how the media uh, and technology seduces you. That's why this artificial intelligence story is so important. I've also been reading in the book of Ezekiel, which I know you probably all read yesterday, right? <laughs> uh, I have to tell you, what's interesting about Ezekiel to me is that the more I read this book and the more I, I actually study it, I think Ezekiel is our prophet for today. I mean, he was sent when he, he was a priest. I'll, I'll tell you this just briefly. He was a priest. He was called about 30 years old to prophesy to Israel. And to basically prophesy judgment on Israel because Israel had had turned 
from the Lord and all the commandments God told her to, to obey. Uh, basically, she became a prostitute and really, you know, a, a disgusting disgrace to the world. Even the nation surrounding her, the immorality within her was way worse. Uh, and, and if you read Ezekiel, you'll read about two twin sisters uh, that both start with O names. I can't pronounce them. I'm not going to bother. Um, but there's this very interesting, tragic um, description of basically how the nations, for lack of a better, kinder way to say this, how Israel became a whore among the nations. Okay, I mean, that sounds crass, and it is, because it's true. But God loves Israel, and God sent his prophet to her to denounce judgment, declare repentance, and give her a chance, you know, to do something. I will tell you later in the latter chapters of Ezekiel, in the 25th or 24th chapter around there, Ezekiel was married as well. He had a wife. And I I will tell you that at one point, the Lord tells Ezekiel, your wife is going to die. And you are not to grieve for her. This is what you're supposed to do instead. You're not to grieve openly for her. And the Lord commands Ezekiel, instead do this, this, and this, so that you will be assigned to Jerusalem. Well, in the early part of Ezekiel, in chapter 2, when um, he calls Ezekiel to um, Israel, just this is a short chapter. I'll just read it. It says here, he said to me, son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. And he spoke to me. The spirit entered me and set me on my feet. And I listened to the one who was speaking to me. And he said to me, son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to the rebellious pagans who have rebelled against me. The Israelites and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this day. The descendants are obstinate and hard hearted. I'm sending you to them And you must say to them, this is what the Lord God says, whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are a rebellious house. They will know that a prophet has been among them. But you, son of man, do not be afraid of them and do not be afraid of their words, even though briars and thorns are beside you and you live among scorpions. Don't be afraid of their words or discouraged by the look on their faces for they are a rebellious house. Speak my words to them, whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are rebellious. And then he goes on and tells Ezekiel to not be rebellious himself and that he's going to give him a scroll to eat. I think the word today for me is, is that, you know what, we need not be afraid of the words of the people in the world, people who are disagreeing with the gospel, and we, meet, we need not to be discouraged by the things that we're seeing all around us, the fear-mongering around us. If you're looking in the world and you're walking in the world, you're going to be afraid because that's what they produce. They produce fear, anger, resentment, envy, murder. I mean, all the, the lust of the flesh, eyes, the pride of life, that is going to be the fruit of what you're going to hear and see if you're walking in the ways of the world. If you're walking, however, in God's ways, you're going to see the exact opposite. You're going to have peace. You're going to have joy. You're going to go, huh, what the heck? You know, I mean, you're going to, you know, God will ask you to do hard stuff. But when God asks you 
to do hard stuff. You know what the really hard stuff God asks you to do is? Just trust him. That's the hard stuff. Trust him. He asks you the hard stuff to love him with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, your body, your strength. And then he asks you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the hard stuff God asks of us is to love one another and to love him. I mean, that's just tragically hard, you know. I'm being a little bit snarky, but that's what he wants from us. Because if we're doing that, then he's going to bless us with the spirit. Now, granted, he did tell Ezekiel to do quite a few things that were difficult. But you know what? Ezekiel was an obedient prophet, and he he actually... Um, he, he was obedient and he did what God said because he feared God over, over man. And I think a lot of what we're seeing today in our culture is a rampant fear of man. What can the medical establishment do to us? What can the government do to us if we don't do what they want us to do? And yet the greater question is, what can God do to you if you don't do what he tells you to do? There, there needs to be a reinstatement of the fear of God, you know, because he has the power to throw you into hell. And I'm going to tell you something. And I hate this topic with all my heart. I really hate it. I hate talking about death. I hate it. I had a friend of mine this week die. A, you know, a, a guy that I, I went, I go to church with who, who taught with me for three years. And I will tell you that, you know, you don't know when your number is. You don't know your day. You don't know your hour when God's going to call you home. So you better be ready um, because someday your day will be up. You know, whether you die in 20 years, you're raptured, or you die tomorrow or even today, you know, somebody today in the world lost somebody they love. And so I have a burden to make sure that you know where you're going when you die. You know, because I'm going to tell you something. If you're not in Christ, your eternity is hell. And hell is not a place you want to go. As much as I have people in my life who have hurt me and wounded me severely, I would never want anybody like that to go to hell. Hell wasn't created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels, you know, because they rebelled against God. God created that that place for them. There is a way of escape, <laughs> And that way of escape is through Christ. And this time of the year is when, you know, the world is attacking Jesus. I'm mean, going to tell you something. <laughs> I was reading an article yesterday, and, and they, were, they were attacking, you know, biblical archaeology and, and stuff. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know what? This, this is so stupid. You know, <laughs> I'm like, this is so stupid. Why are you debating? Who cares? You know, well, it's because they're trying to do everything to attack Jesus. Jesus is the Lord. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He had angels declare his birth, who he was. The whole world knows Christmas is coming, but so few know the King himself. And so you need to know the King. And celebrate the king more than anything. And, and I will tell you that when you do that, the material things of this world don't matter as much. Right? I mean, the more you study the word, the more you read the word, the more the word of God gets into you, the more peace you're going to have. And that's where real healing comes from. You know, um, I have a, uh, I have a, um, 
um, gotta find it. Trying there. Um, I have a friend that has a plaque in her office that says, "If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you." So you know, what is it in your life that's not challenging you? <laughs> what is it that does challenge you? And is it going to change you for the good if you pursue Christ and Him fully? Right? Because this is this world, you're not going to get, you're going to die. I know it's so, so depressing, but you are going to die at some point unless we're all raptured, but you're going to die. This isn't our permanent home. And yet it's so easy to be deceived by that, you know. So think about that. I know that there's trending news right now. A, a person set a Fox News Christmas tree on fire. I know that Pfizer is claiming that you need to have a third jab in order to, you know, be protected from the Omni variant or whatever it's called. Um, I know that there's all these horrible things going on in the world and it's easy to get focused on that. But let's focus today on something I did over the weekend. Uh, many of you guys know Amanda Hope Haley. She is the red hair archaeologist and she um, she has a new children's book out called called Copper Finds a Scroll. <laughs> Copper is her dog, and I have to tell you that I, I got to meet her dog before I met her in person. Um, and we talk a little bit about that in this little short interview. We did a five-minute interview, and Randall put it together. So if you need a Christmas gift for a child or a grandchild, or you just really kind of want to get a cute little book for uh, you know yourself that you want to read, uh, this little interview will give you a little sneak peek about what that's about. Hi, everybody. Hey, it is me, Stacey Lynn Harp, Bible News Radio. This is an in-person exclusive. Yes, I, I am here today to talk about Copper Finds a Scroll. And the, the, the dog celebrity is somewhere else, but even better, I have... I have the author and illustrator here of this book, uh, Amanda Hope Haley, who we've already had on the show. She's actually called the red-haired archaeologist. This is her real hair in real life. Really is. It really <laughs> took two hours to diffuse this morning. Yeah. <laughs> did it really? It did. It immediately fell flat. You know. <laughs> well, so you can see how curly mine is now yeah, in real yeah, life, right? Right. <laughs> and Michelle Pitts, who is the one that illustrated this beautiful book here. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. I haven't met you in person, and yes. and, and I, I love I love children's books. So this is actually a children's book about your dog Copper mm -hmm. that found a, a scroll. Yes. Yeah. So you are okay. So to those of you who don't know Amanda, she is an archaeologist. It, I can't. You're like the second real life archaeologist I've met in person. Oh wow! But you're the first girl one. That's a, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah high five. Yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit about the book. And your, so um, it's it's about Copper. Um, he goes with me on a, a fictional dig to um, to the Dead Sea, and he ends up going on a little adventure and finding the the Great Isaiah Scroll. Nice. And um, yeah, he brings it down to me, and we talk about how it's important and where it talks about Jesus. And um, yeah, it's going to be the first in a series and the next one will be coming out like October of next year. It's going to be Copper Finds a Manger. So Ooh. in this one, we talk about the book of Isaiah and how that talks about the coming of Jesus. And then the next one will be about Jesus's birth. So um, it's fun. It's a, it's a chance for me to, to share history with children. Yeah, so. that, I think that's so cool. If I was a kid, um, I am a big kid, really. But 
That is so cool. Okay, and Michelle, this is this. You're an illustrator. So yeah. Tell us what was it like to illustrate the actual dog? Because you know that really looks I'll like him. Well, you. you know, I had an awesome subject. So <laughs> he will tell you so himself. Yeah. <laughs> we took lots of pictures of Copper to to get some good shots so that I can have uh, some good illustrations. Yeah. And how long you been doing art? Oh, actually, not very long. This is um, something that. I've done just recently. So. Yeah, this is our first book. It's cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Because without that, you don't really have a good book. It's the truth. You know? It's the truth. I mean, you can have a great story, but without cool pictures, you know. Who's going to read it? I met Copper before I met you in yes. person. Yes. And um, brought him some greenies and dropped the bag on the ground. <laughs> and we, literally within... Like a second, he had two down his throat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're lucky you still have your hands. I mean, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> it was so cute. I was like, I have to grab the next one. Yes. <laughs> he, every morning, actually, we do this thing with Copper. When he was a puppy, he wouldn't eat, which is very strange for a dog. Um, so to incentivize him to eat, he loved those grainies. Yeah. And so we got in a habit with him of, you know, we put out his breakfast and then he would have to come get us a show us that he'd eaten his breakfast and then he gets what we call a toothbrush yeah. so that is his favorite treat of the day so he got afternoon toothbrushes which to him i mean yeah he, he will love you forever yeah. i mean he probably would anyway yeah but um he, he especially will now <laughs> where can people get your book um it's it's as they say available wherever books are sold so it's amazon barnes and noble um you can go to my website which is redhairedarchaeologist.com um you can order signed copies there if you'd like um but it's yeah, it's it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Okay, yeah. do you have any other final words about this cute book? Either one of you. Well, what was it like to do this book signing? Um, wonderful. Um, to just meet people and get to talk one on one. I I love talking to people about archaeology. A lot of people had questions and stuff, and then we got to see some old friends and meet some new friends and it was fun overwhelming at times especially when you see like the line oh that's you know that. that's just i mean but yeah it was it was a lot of fun it was you're, good you're kind of an introvert though too aren't you i naturally am um yeah but it, uh, yeah but th this was so fun and i'll just sleep for the next three days that's right. how that will go down <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm that way when i cover national when i cover the nrb i uh -huh. interview 30 people in one day i'm like don't talk to me for a week after that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. Are you going to be at NRB this year? Probably not. Oh, okay. Because no. it's back in Nashville, I think. That's what I heard, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't decided. I haven't decided either. So. <laughs> well, we will decide that later in photo come. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. It Thank is so you. fun to finally meet you in person. I know. Thank you, you for guys, doing this. You guys are all jealous that we met and we haven't yet. So. <laughs> all right. That's a wrap. And that is a wrap, and here is Copper. <laughs> I got an exclusive another picture of Copper. Um, that was my first meeting with him. And um, anyway, long story short, he, he likes greenies. Yeah, he does. So, <laughs> and, and the thing about this picture with Copper is if you look, like here in the back, you can see my dog Grover. You know, Grover and him met momentarily. Yeah, they did. Cute dog, though. <laughs> Anyway, I would encourage you to, to get the book, Copper Finds a Scroll, 
And I would also recommend that you get anything from Amanda Hope Haley. Uh, she is the red-haired archaeologist. And actually, you can go to redhairarchaeologist.com or Google her name and you'll be able to find her website. And check it out because you know what? It's not every day. I mean, I have a friend that's an archaeologist, a biblical one. How cool is that? I mean, seriously. So I, I just I love that. So. All right, let's talk now about the artificial intelligence that's replacing God. There is an article over on the Christian Post website that caught my attention. And the reason this caught my attention is because if you are in, in the, uh, most of you who watch all the time, you're kind of in the camp that we are. We understand transhumanism is coming in. We also understand that artificial intelligence is kind of taking over the world in our life. Um, so this article titled Artificial Intelligence Replacing God uh, Ramifications for the Church is Concerning by Wallace Henley. This is what it says. It says here, as technology continues to advance at rapid pace, it threatens to eclipse society's reverence and worship of God. A looming reality that has severe ramifications for the church, theologian and best-selling author Wes, uh, Wallace Henley has warned. We are all made for transcendence, God's overarching glory, Henley told the Christian Post. As Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, God has put eternity in our hearts. St. Augustine said the human heart was made by God, for God, and only God can fill it. And if we don't fill it with God, we fill it with whatever else we can find, ellipsis. That's what idolatry is about. The idolatry of the future is going to be the worship of these machines, which has already started either tongue-in-cheek or some people literally and very seriously worshiping the, the works of their hands. I will say before continuing with that, I dare you to defy the reality that your cell phone isn't something that you worship to a degree. Okay, let's just stop for a minute and examine our hearts when it comes to our phones. Okay, I, I, I'm getting in your business. These phones are in our hands 24-7. I've equated to this phone as a binky. and a, You know, you're addicted to it. You spend, hour, you spend hours on this phone. So much so that Apple and Galaxy and the others have incorporated time things in our phones to let us know how much time we're actually spending. If you're on social media, the notifications, all that stuff is designed to to give you a dopamine hit. Every time you hit a notification, etc., you're we're, we were tricked into being connected to these electronic devices. <laughs> Unfortunately, our children of today, many of them grew up with this stuff. Thank God I didn't. You know, thank God some of you didn't cuz you're even older than me. But listen to more what, the, what he says here. Henley, a teaching pastor at Grace Church in the Woodlands, Texas, addresses society's increasing technological dependence on artificial intelligence and the moral and ethical choices Christians might be forced to make in his new book, Who Will Rule the Coming Gods, which I have not read and I don't endorse, just so you know. I'm just giving you this for info. The 79-year-old former aide to President Nixon was compelled to write the book, he said, after learning of a former Google employee who registered an AI church in California. There's actually a link to that in the Christian Post article. Um, you can go over. It's actually called thefuturecenter.org. Um, and 
Um, it's actually, it actually says on the website, the first church of artificial intelligence is being created. Um, and um, it's kind of scary. It says here, computer engineers tend to be a little bit funny at times and have a dark sense of humor. But nevertheless, he was very serious about it, apparently because he went through with it. Uh, then he heard a technology specialist make what he described as a, quote, disturbing statement. He said, if there's a machine that can go a billion times faster than the human brain, then the only thing that we can call it is God, Henley recalled. We've got to understand the spiritual crisis that's coming, and the spiritual crisis is going to be the ultimate idolatry, which is the worship of the machine. And already we've seen many signs of that, he stressed. Robots, he said, are increasingly taking on traditionally human tasks like vacuuming and driving and delivering food, just to name a few. And these robots continue to progress and humans' dependency on them increases. Henley said there are implications he finds, quote, concerning. For example, who's going to work ethics into these machines? They're going to wire a worldview into these machines. What is the nature of that person? It's a very serious concern. Could there be at some point no directive inside that machine that says thou shall not kill? He asked. Will there be a point in the future where extremely advanced machines, and we know that they're advancing at an exponential level, decide that the human race is the problem? Question mark. Machines are all about utility, optimal utility. How fast can we process information and get the results implemented? That's the big question. When you look at something that is purely utilitarian, then you're looking at the question of what needs to be gotten out of the way so that the utilitarian goal can be made. If they say it's a human race, that's a problem. It's naive, Henley said, to dismiss such concerns as alarmism when history has proven humanity's propensity to replace God with idols and the growing influence science and technology has on society. While the founding fathers understood the importance of acknowledging the transcendence of God, Henley said, the U.S. forgot this principle during the slave era where humans were treated as, as objects. That same mentality, he added, is being repeated today. Uh, human nature has always been the problem, he stressed. A pastor for over 18 years, Henley said he believes the church is the antidote to a culture that has largely lost an understanding of the preeminence of God. Pastors, he said, have a responsibility to address such issues from the pulpit and establish a biblical worldview in congregants, which I will tell you, honestly, you guys, that's part of the reason I do this show, because so many pastors don't do that. Um, the church, the Jesus-centered, word-anchored, kingdom-visible church is the most powerful organism in the world and should be at the core of forming our worldview, he said. We're so focused on how to be better, how to be happier and more prosperous, but we need to be focusing on the message of transcendence and preach that message. Every church needs to become a center for worldview formation, instructing families and parents on how to instill a worldview in their children that begins with the transcendence of God and every value that flows out of that. Pastors must have the courage to point out evil and instruct Christians on how to get back on track. In order to do this, he said, seminaries must train and equip them to stand firm on the gospel in an increasingly secularized culture. 
<laughs> and yet so many seminaries today have yeah don't even get don't even get me started anyway every ministry school needs to have a focus on training pastors for times of exponentialism with respect to the computer development of computers and artificial intelligence he emphasized churches need to address this critical situation the church is at the heart of this artificial intelligence and robots henley contended threaten to become our masters and he believes it's one of the top five concerns of our time. Our future will be impacted by this tremendous, ter- tremendously, the father and grandfather warned. We've been looking for paradise ever since we lost it in Adam and Eve. We've been trying to get back there. Now we think we can create it with electronics and the idolatry of the machine, and it's extremely dangerous. That's the message I'd like to get across. And, you know, it's interesting because... For years, we've talked about this on the show, um, and I, I don't know if you guys understand human development or issues of um, attachment, right? Happens to be one of my areas of interest. It's where my undergrad is in, and of course, as a therapist, I have a real strong propensity to look at attachment, bonding issues, and I will tell you that one of the things that that concerns me personally, and I've seen, and it it actually terrifies me on some level, is that children today, babies, are being raised by cameras with parents who are disconnected from them. I mean, it used to be in the olden days when I was a baby, 53 years ago, you know, when I was a baby, um, that if I was in a crib and I cried, mom would come in and pick me up, right, and hold me or, you know, give me a bottle, whatever, you know. Today, you have technology, you know, you have cameras that are put in the bedroom over the crib of the baby and the mom will talk through and talk to the baby in the voice or there'd be something fake there to soothe the baby as opposed to the human bonding of, the, of that a baby needs with its parent, you know, its mom in particular. You know, you raise children without physical human connection and attachment. You're raising a, uh, you're you're raising human beings who ultimately um, can become sociopaths or antisocial. Which these are not good things, people. <laughs> not good at all. You don't want people who are uh, who have no attachment or bonding because that means that they don't care. Um, Randall, did you, did you want to say something? Wasn't sure. Kind of sound like you did. I'm just kind of. Uh, certainly, you know, bringing it back to Bible, uh, Revelation chapter thirteen, fifteen, we read that the false prophet w- was given power to give breath to the image, image of the yeah. beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And so we have this future situation in which the false prophet, there's an image of the beast. It's clear that it's an image. It's not the beast himself, the Antichrist, but it's an image that he causes, he gives power to it that it it would even speak. And this inanimate object being given, you know, an ability to speak and, and that institutes this, you know, decree, whatever, that as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. You know, in light of, you know, the article that you just read, 
you know, I think that fits. It's not just having an inanimate object that has a little, you know, intelligence, I think, but a worship of that artificial intelligence. And that was the concern of the Unabomber, you know, Ted Kaczynski, was that, uh, he, you know, his, his way to prevent the machines taking over was to mail letter bombs uh, to people who were in that field of artificial intelligence and like, would, that's not the way to go about it. But, but you know, back then, you know, when that was going on, what eighties, nineties, you know, he was seen as a whack job. But the article just said we've seen it. Just this this increase of, and you know, the movies, the Matrix movies, the trilogy, you know, that paints a paints a picture in the future where the machines take over yeah um well and and go ahead ahead. go ahead no ladies first well by the way if you're new to the show we're married in case you haven't figured that out (laughs) yeah it's randall he's my husband yeah i am yeah he is um what i was gonna say is is that um i just forgot what i was gonna say i hate it when that happens (laughs) darn you harp Yeah, but uh, uh, well, the the movies. That, that's what I'm saying. Okay, it's what I was gonna say. It has to do with the movies. I mean, the movies on purpose. Science fiction is popular for a reason, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, go ahead. Well, well, just that. I mean, we're be conditioned for it through art, and we're certainly mm-hmm. being conditioned through it through life. You know, from the technology sector that. You know, when I was a younger man. Young man. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I probably had, you know, 30, 40 phone numbers memorized. You know, because you had to. Yep. And now... I know we're we're beat. We've been dumbed too. down by we technology. Have. We have totally been dumbed down, which is why I encourage you to memorize God's word. Take Indeed. time to do that today. Yeah, um, yeah. In fact, now you know the Bible's on your phone. You know we've got these Bible apps, and of course, and in Afghanistan, if you've got a Bible app, it's your death sentence. Um, true, but you know then it can be. I think it was ironic when 1984 was taken off of Kindle, but you know when it was put back. Though to be fair, they took it back. But it was just ironic of all things. Um, That was intentional. Yeah, but in in an age where if all your texts are electronic, they can be altered and they can also be taken away. You know what the even more concerning thing though is? Okay, one of our next stories has to do with Josh Duggar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've watched us for any length of time, and some many of you have, but if you haven't, when Josh Duggar, who is the son of the famous, you know, Duggar 19 or whatever they are, the family, the homeschooling family, um, you know, when, when he was first outed a number of years ago for being addicted to pornography, I ranted and raved about it. I was so mad because... Christian media wasn't covering it in a in an honest way, in my opinion. Because um, Christian, let's just be, I'm just gonna be blunt. I'm not your normal Christian media. What I will say is I will tell you the truth and not hide stuff. Right? That's why I, I you know. Anyway, Josh Duggar is a, is a porn addict, 
and not just a regular porn addict. He is a child porn addict. Okay. He should be put behind bars permanently, in my opinion. Um, and what I will say is that when you look at technology and you look at AI, even as an example, there are sex bots out there, right, that they've developed. Hey, you don't need a human anymore. Just go ahead and, you know, get this sex bot and you'll be able to, you know, do that, whatever. Okay. Pornography is a form of media that creates attachment disorders because you have an image that that person is objectifying and sexualizing. And when they act out to that image, just like these phones, when we get a notification, we look at it, we get that dopamine hit, you get that exact same chemical reaction when you're addicted to pornography. The problem, though, and this is what makes me angry, it infuriates me, is that the and I, frankly, no pornography is good. None. Zero zip. It should all be wiped off the face of the earth. But I'm going to tell you it's not. It's never going to be wiped off the face of the earth until Jesus conquers, okay? But when a man or a woman, because porn addiction among women is also about 40% right now. And this is in the church as well. So, you know, you women out there watching porn, you're just as guilty as these guys. But what that does is you look at that image Act out to the image, you get addicted to that, you get your dopamine hit, and the next thing you know, you you want to act out with it, right? You objectify the person or persons in it, you turn them into an object, in other words. You don't give a crap that they're a human being. And the biggest purveyor of that is is technology. You know, it used to be when Randall and I were growing up, and probably most of you, that there was the filthy theater down the road. You know what I mean? It was called, I won't say what it was called because I don't like the word. But, you know, you go, you go to that theater and you go in and, you know, have your peep show or whatever. But today, children can access this right there on their, on their phone. And it is hard. And, you know, one of the things being reported about Josh Duggar and Jim, his father, don't even get me started on that, um, is that he intentionally did work around the, um, the, the accountability software that's out there, like triplexchurch.com, xxxchurch.com. If you go there, you can get a web blocker and, you know, that will, you can sign up and you can, if you go to a porn site, it will alert somebody that you put in there to alert, right? So it's your accountability. Well, this Josh has worked around all that, right? In his attempt to be accountable. Okay. Well, porn addiction is not easy to overcome. Period. It's just not. It's wicked. It's of the, it's of the devil. Pure and simple. Um, and I treated, I worked with porn addicts for a, for a while when I, was the, when I was a therapist in California. I ran groups. You know, it's not, it's not an easy thing to overcome. But unfortunately, with the Duggars, there's so much wrong with the Duggars, which I can't stand. But that's beside the point. Uh, let's look at this article that I pulled. And you can find this over on julieroys.com. Um, so it says here, Josh Duggar trial focusing on computer where child porn was found. A, a, a computer used by Josh Dug, Duggar at work contained child pornography behind a partition that allowed the user to circumvent an application that monitors internet use. That's what I was talking about. And metadata indica indicates the images were downloaded when the former reality TV star was working 
computer forensics experts testified. Duggar, 33, is charged with receiving and possessing child pornography, and he faces up to 20 years in prison on each count if convicted. So take 33 and multiply that by 20. Or don't take that. Don't take 33. That's his, that's his age. But he, if he faces up to 20 years in prison, that tells you a lot right there, okay? Um, his federal trial began this week in northwest Arkansas. Defense attorneys for Duggar have argued that someone else downloaded or placed a child pornography onto the work computer, noting that no child pornography was found on Duggar's phone or laptop. But federal prosecutors have detailed logs showing minute by minute the activity on Duggar's computer that alternated between him sending personal messages, downloading child porn, and saving pictures of notes. Now, if you don't know about Justin Berry, and this, this will tell you a little bit about me and my background here, because like I said, I treated this for a long time. If you Google the name Justin Berry, J-U-S-T-I-N, Barry, B-E-R-R-Y. Um, Justin Barry was a young man who testified in Congress a number of years ago um, about being lured by internet sex predators. Okay. Um, and this was before computers had the cameras built in. Well, anyway, one of the things that Justin Barry testified about many years ago was he testified about how the child pornographers and those addicted to child pornography, what they would do is they would get online, they would lure a child and they would begin to talk to them and say, Hey, you know, take off your shirt for me. And they take a picture of it and do this, do this. And then eventually they lure them out of the fake world into the real world. And, and what happened with Justin was he ended up getting uh, assaulted and, and stuff. But they, they did this to create child, porno, child porn trading cards. Yeah, let, just, let that just sit for a second. You've heard of a baseball trading card, right? Baseball, you know, players, you get your Anthony Rizzo or Javier Baez card, right? <laughs> but these are child porn trading cards. Okay? Children go missing all the time. I believe they're caught by these people. And Justin Berry also reported during his, his hearing that there was infant rape, which don't even get me started on that. I'm trying to be a godly woman here, but I'm just going to say, have you ever seen a baby, a little cute, innocent baby, and some man raping a little baby? That that happens. That goes on. That's the underworld. That's the dark underbelly world of the pornography world. That's the type of crap this guy's into, no doubt. If he's exchanging child porn and all this stuff is on his computer. Yeah. It's a wicked world. And it's run by money, money, money. And the purveyors of pornography don't give a crap about people as people. They see them as possessions and objects. Worthless. And it's straight from the pit of hell because pornography damages not only the person who's been made the victim and the object of it, but the one who uses it. And why do you think that is from a spiritual perspective? The, the, the easy answer is because God placed his image in all of us. 
And I've shared this before. I was a victim of child pornography. You know, my abuser used pornography to abuse me and took pictures of me when I was a little girl. You know, and I praise God that the Internet wasn't around when I was a little girl because I would have been one of those trading cards. You know, I, I will tell you that the lackluster um, choice of pastors today and church leadership and Christians in general who think that pornography use is, ah, oh, it's okay. It's between consenting adults. You guys, you know what? There's a special place in hell for you if you don't repent of that. I'm telling you. And that's probably not very popular, but I will tell you that it, it goes back to John, First John. If you're going to be in the world walking in darkness, that is as dark as it can go. As opposed to walking in the light, shut your damn TV off. You know, I mean, I'm going to tell you something. And I am a little irritated here. And if nobody else is going to say it, I will say it. You know what? Most of the sexual issues that we have today that people are dealing with, it's because of your damn TV set that you have on. You know, what blows me away. And now I'm just going to rant. What really blows me away is I remember when I was a kid, I just a, a baby Christian right? Became a Christian 12, 13 years old. And I remember thinking back then, I won't go see a rated R movie because, you know, at the time it was rated, you know, R, it, you know, you had to be 17 or older, I guess, um, because the world is rating it an R, the world. Okay. The world is telling you, don't have a teenager come and see this because the world is saying this is an R. Do you know that now today you can watch a PG and hear the F word in it? The world has gotten way worse. And now you have this TV, you know, you have TV you, on, on TV, you have MA, mature audiences only. Are you kidding me? When I see MA, I mean, this is why I don't watch TV. Unless, you know, I mean, if I have Netflix, I'll watch a baking show. I mean, that you know, but I will not watch TV, because there's so much of that. And now, MA? Oh, oh, don't worry. It says it's full for vulgarity and maybe sex. Really? Okay, so a godly person is going to listen to an MA and do show that has not only the F word constantly through the dang thing, but, but every other illicit type thing that goes against what godliness is all about. Why the hell are you producing that, putting that in your head if you're a believer? Oh, the story is good. I like I like the story. It's a great storyline. Oh, it's no big deal. It doesn't affect me. Baloney. And that's not the word I want to use. It does affect you. If you don't think it affects you, then explain. Explain to me why so many people are addicted to pornography and why you don't have a love for God's word and, and you're, you'd rather watch that crap than open the Bible and read it, right? Yeah, and maybe I'm sounding judgmental. I don't mean to sound judgmental, but whatever happened to sin, to quote Steve Camp or Steve Taylor, you know? It's, what, just because you're comfortable with it doesn't mean it's not sin, so people like Josh Duggar, um, you know, I'm not going to read the rest of the article. You can go over to Julie Royce and read the whole thing. But I will tell you, in his father in 2003 knew that Josh had molested his own sisters and they took care of it within the family. In other words, there was incest within the Duggar family and Jim Bob boy 
decides to cover it up. I'm sorry. It just, you know, 19 kids and counting, a freak show for all eternity here. You know, it just, it's disgusting to me. In fact, the whole, the whole homeschool community with these patriarchal pigs and the domineering, unbiblical leaders that they are, um, they should be banned, you know. I'm, I'm sorry. I know that some of you probably don't agree with me on that one, but it just infuriates me, you know, because nobody talks about it. And, you know, one of the big things right now that's going on in our culture, the church culture in particular, is that you have people exposing the stuff that's happening in the church, Right. And, and like Julie Royce, just as an example, and she she's being bagged on and hated on because she's making the church look bad. Really? So I have Nagme Abedini on the show, Panahi rather, you know, talking about Pastor Saeed who raped her and tried to kill her and stuff and exposing Franklin Graham for the pig that he is. Sorry, I know I probably shouldn't say it, but he's a butthead at the very least you know, for siding with this guy, who the hell does that? You know, I mean, who the hell does that? I tell you, you know what? You don't think you're walking in the world and you're, you're being influenced by money and greed and power. You know, when people begin to expose the unfruitful deeds of darkness, according to Ephesians 4, 11, I think it is, or 5, 11, um, it begins in the church. Here's the other thing. One of the other things I just got to vent about, because this really irritates me. Right now, there's this big rant going on in the Christian Twitter world where everybody's talking about Roe v. Wade being overturned. The potential. Hey, we have the, pent- the potential for Roe v. Wade being overturned. What planet are you people living on? Roe v. Wade is not going to be overturned. I will, I'll be the first to come to this microphone and say, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I was wrong. Roe v. Wade was overturned. I would be the first one to apologize if I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. There is no way Roe is going to be overturned. America is being judged by God, okay? It's the world is being judged by God right now, okay? <sighs> and it just, it infuriates me that... You know, we have these people singing kumbaya and doing this, this, and this and not looking at reality. You wonder why so many people hate Christ or his body. It's because what's being depicted as Christian isn't Christian at all. It's anything but Christian. You know, you salivate over this bad news, but when we talk about the good news, you don't want to hear it because it's boring. Boring. Oh, Christianity is so boring. Talking about that Jesus guy who died on a cross, you know, for our sin. Oh, it's so boring. Talking about the miracles Jesus did and the stories in there. You know, it's boring. Yawn fest. Ah, Don't want to read the Bible because it's so boring. And yet you'll turn on the crap and let it flood your TV and your internet and your social media. And then you'll go buy and spend money you don't have. Go into debt because you're lusting after the crap in the world that doesn't bring you any eternal value whatsoever. Right? But the Bible's boring. Right? Yeah. It it bothers me. It, It does. It bothers me. Because I can tell you from where I'm sitting, trying to get people to wake up to what's going on in the world, let alone what's going on in the body. You know, do you realize who you are, who Jesus is? Do you realize who he is? 
I mean, think about it. Do you, do you actually know who Jesus is? You know who he is, right? Or do you, do you have an image of who he is that you think he is? You know, I've been reading in Revelation a lot, and he's coming back, right? I mean, everything in the Bible has been fulfilled till this place. You know, the only thing that needs to happen yet, pretty much, is the rapture and Jesus to come back. And if you don't think that's going to happen, then I don't know where you're living because it's going to happen. The word of God is true and the enemy is trying to silence it all over the place. And yet people are like, nah, don't want to hear about it. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I don't get it. As somebody who fought to, to get a Bible to read when I was a kid, I just, I don't understand how people, you know, Keith Green had a song, How Can They Live Without Jesus? How can they live without Jesus? You know that song? How can they live without God's love? I know my voice is a little bit deeper, but anyway. How can, how can people live without Christ? People in the church are living without Christ. You know, one of the trends that has happened in the last decade, at least, that I've seen? Pastors killing themselves. Yeah. Christian leaders just... Just killing themselves. Hey, you know what? I can't deal with it. I'm dead. I'm going to kill myself. That's so Christ-like, isn't it? You know, to blow your brains out and then and leave a family member to find you or a friend and, and traumatize them for the rest of their life, but not really care. About, I mean, how is that Christian? And what would possess a person to do that? Well, now you're being judgmental. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I'm being judgmental. I had a guest on my show, he, his whole, Jared Wilson is his name. He was barely 30 years old. He, his big goal in life was to tell people not to kill themselves because there was hope. And what he do, he tweets about, here's hope for, you know, you, if you, if you're suicidal, and the next thing you know, he kills himself, leaving behind, I believe it was two children and a young wife. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Why? Because he was depressed. Well, why was he depressed? I don't know why he was depressed, but there's treatment for depression. And a big part of the treatment for depression, I will tell you, is to shut your TV off. You know? Randall, I could rant, but, you know, it'd probably be good if you said something. Because... Because... <laughs> you are ranting. I am, and I probably should take something. a drink of water. Um, yeah. Well... You know, I'm it just, yeah, I'm on board. The fear of the Lord is the beginning <sighs> of wisdom. You've got to start there. And it's like, but God is love. Yes, he is indeed. And God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how loving he is. But, um, but why is that loving to die for us? Because the alternative without that is to spend eternity without him, separated from God in that place, that lake of fire, which was created for the devil and his angels, um, to realize that, you know, we are by nature children of wrath, uh, fulfilling the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's, that's how we're wired by nature. And, uh, and then realizing, you know, how 
ungodly we are and how godly God is. Imagine that. And how righteous he is, how unrighteous we are, that given that, you know, he makes the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous, you know, and, and you know, he makes it rain to fall on the just and the unjust, yep. that, uh, that it, it's, it's his earth upon which we stand or move, it's his air that we breathe, and we are indebted to him, eternally indebted. Um, and then, you know, without the free gift of eternal life that's available in Christ Jesus, uh, we stand condemned. And that that's a fearful thing. As um, Jonathan Edwards said, you know, uh, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Uh, or the writer of Hebrews wrote, it's fearful. Um, it's a fearful thing um, to fall into the hands, something like that, of, of the living God. Um, we need to start with, with a reverence. Um, you know, I the weak analogy I often use is, is fire. You know, it's, it's fire has many benefits, but we ought to have a healthy reverence for it respect because it can burn you right and how many how many of you know your parents out there your first your first things teaching children about fire was how good it is and how it can warm you how you can cook with you You took them to the stove and you started teaching them how to cook no you put it stove you said hot no uh you have to start with the fear you have to start with the reverence before you can before you can appreciate the benefit and the benevolence and how much more with God you have to start with the begin the fear of God the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom you can't take in even begin to take in the majesty of God and, and wisdom until it starts with that it starts with a healthy fear and uh, that's something that's totally lost um almost totally lost and well and you know culture this is why we randall and i are here right okay not because we're great because we're not we're we're sinners saved by grace right but i will tell you what we do is we offer bible reading accountability group for free i mean it's a free thing um, I, I have a text message you can join if you're struggling. See, this is the thing. I'm not just ranting about this without giving you a solution. If you're struggling with Bible reading and not to be legalistic with your Bible reading, but I will tell you that if you begin to read the Bible, you're going to change because the Bible will get into you and you will change just by reading it. Then text team unstuck text three, 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 is it three three two two two? I think it's three three two two two. Text team team unstuck to three three two two two. Get on my my Bible reading accountability list. I send out a text. I'll ask you where you're reading in the Bible. If you don't, if you need help where to read, you know, you might get an idea from me where I'm reading. You could read there. I don't care. If you want show updates, text Bible News to the same number three three two two two. Put in Bible News, you'll get news updates. We have a daily Facebook group called Daily Disciples. Why? Because we're daily disciples. And we have a team of great people in there that read the Bible. We've read 33 books of the Bible on Facebook, out loud, on video. 
Don't tell them, though, because they might not like us after knowing that. Um, <laughs> since they've clearly banned our show for no reason. Um, but we have that. I have a Bible study tomorrow night. If you if you want a no-homework Bible study, come to my Bible study tomorrow. What? Uh, your mic's cutting in and out. I don't know what it is. Uh, I need touches. Is that better? I'm not touching it. Okay, that's good now. Okay, so we have a Bible study. It's called Breaking Free from Fear. You don't have any homework in it. We actually do it together in class. If you want to join it, go to my website and send me an email. I'll put you on my list. I think we got like 22 people in it right now. So, you know, so we're offering you solutions, you know, to help you in your walk. You can't go, you can't do the Christian walk alone. Just saying, you just can't. It's impossible. The other thing is, if you like what we do, you want to donate to the show, go over to BibleNewsRadio.com. I always do it the wrong way. This way, that way, that way, right. it's that way. To my right. Okay. Go to BibleNewsRadio.com, and that will take you to Heart Tug International, which is our nonprofit, which covers the show, and you can donate to us through the show there and support the show. You know? Instead of giving to some big, huge ministry, if you want to give a year-end gift, give it to us. If you want to give a year-end gift, give it to us. I'm repeating because we can't hear you now. Yeah, and I didn't even do anything. Yeah, I know. Anyway, so, yeah, if you want to donate to the show, go over to hearttug.org or at biblenewsradio.com. Do that. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if they heard that. but um, Well, then you say it. All right, so, um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you want to, you know, take a – be a meaningful part of this, help to um, further this ministry, uh, go over to uh, hearttug.org or um, there, you know, biblenewsradio.com. It'll take you to the same site. And there's a um, place to, to donate your tax-deductible gift. I can uh, I can speak, really can't. And then um, can we hear you yet? I don't know. I didn't do anything. Um, no, it's not back. Really? There, there's something going on. Really? There, okay, you're good. You're good again. All right. I don't know what it's I don't know. On. I didn't do anything. Uh, anyway, let me get to the one last story, okay? Speaking of Dave Ramsey. <laughs> were we, we were? speaking about Dave Ramsey? No, no. So, you know, it's interesting. Dave Ramsey, here in Tennessee where we live, I, we, li we literally live 20 minutes from the Ramsey headquarters, right? Um, and there's been some controversy about Mr. Ramsey because of his um, company and how he runs his ministry or his company, whatever you want to call it. Um, and here's an article that is published at NashvilleScene.com titled, what living righteously means at Dave Ramsey's company and living righteously is in quotes for those of you who um, are on the podcast afterwards. By the way, I will tell you also, if you don't mind, if you're on YouTube, please hit like if you like the show, hit, hit the dislike if you don't, but hit like if you like it and please share it out and leave a comment and say hi. The more people that do that, the more people will get, will see our show. Um, it says here, former employees describe a gossipy culture of paranoia and suspicion where women are subject to special scrutiny and rebuke. I'm probably not going to read this whole thing, but I'll read part of it because it says it's going to be eight to ten minutes to read, and I'm not reading the whole thing. In 2019, Ramsey Solutions held its Christmas party at the Gaylord Opera 
Opryland Resort and Convention Center, which, by the way, is a beautiful place. If you've never been there, I highly recommend it. An enthusiastic email sent to staff of the company, which is run by Evangelical Cash Chat radio host Dave Ramsey, informed them on logistics and included a few warnings. We'll have alcohol at the party, which is awesome, but requires us to be wise and mature, wrote Chief Marketing Officer Jen Severed to Zen in the email, a copy of which was obtained by the scene, referring to the Nashville scene. Most of us have a hotel room there, another huge blessing. She went on, and just one more time, whether it's 5 p.m. or 11.30 p.m. or 2.30 a.m., don't have an individual in your hotel room that's not your spouse or your family member. It may be 100% innocent, yet the appearance is less than that. Even your serious boyfriend slash girlfriend slash fiance slash or just really great longtime platonic friend of the opposite sex needs to not be in your hotel room, period. If they need a ride home, put them in an Uber, but don't let them sleep off the extra drink in your hotel room because it doesn't look good. And you don't need people questioning your integrity because righteous living is living righteously and not giving people a reason to question that. <laughs> to which to which I would say, part of the problem with the big Christian culture here in the South is alcoholism. Okay, I'll just say it. I bet you alcoholic I bet you there's so many closet alcoholics that go to so many churches here because they're alcoholics. I bet they genuinely are alcoholics because that much drinking happens in the South. Just saying, it just cracks me up that people don't see anything wrong with it. But anyway, one former Ramsey Solutions employee, a woman who left the company this year, says staffers were told that board members would be in the lobby to make sure no one was leaving with someone other than their spouse. I, I personally think it's none of their stinking business, but that's just me. Um, the company's definition of righteous living and how it's enforced is at the center of an ongoing lawsuit brought in 2020 by Caitlin O'Connor, who was fired when she got pregnant and thus revealed that she had sex outside of marriage. Uh, the company says it has fired eight other people in the past five years for extramarital sex. In, in another lawsuit brought earlier this year, Julianne Stamps alleges she was fired after coming out publicly as a lesbian. The woman woman's suits sit awkwardly at best next to reports about the company's handling of author and media personality Chris Hogan's extramarital affairs. All this is bad, by the way. Okay. The Hogan controversy and the O'Connor suit have raised questions and brought forth new allegations about how the culture at Ramsey Solutions affects women. O'Connor's lawyers have argued that the company's policy about sex outside of marriage is effectively harsher on women for the obvious reason that they will be exposed if they become pregnant. Former Ramsey employees who spoke to the scene, two women and a man who spoke under the condition of anonymity for fear of attracting the ire of a man whose orbit they've tried to leave, describe a gossipy culture of paranoia and suspicion in which everything from women's clothing to which co-workers they spend time with, which is subject to scrutiny and rebuke. <clears throat> yeah, it is. This is another attempt by the plaintiff to litigate her case in the court of public opinion because legally it has no merit, as is evidenced by the court already having dismissed all religious discrimination claims, the company says in a statement to the scene, declining to respond specifically to statements from former employees, none of whom were O'Connor. 
The plaintiff is desperately trying to keep her case alive and smear Ramsey's solutions in the process by making statements and allegations that are not accurate. The truth is that the plaintiff was terminated for engaging in premarital sex, which she knew was a violation of the company's core values. In the past five, eight, five years, eight other people have been terminated for the same thing, and most of them were men. So just to stop here for a second, there is an issue here, right? <clears throat> So you get hired at a company, you sign uh, an ethics thing about their ethics, a statement of belief or whatever. I had to when I worked at Focus on the Family years ago. Um, Any Christian ministry, and Ramsey considers himself a Christian ministry, I think. um, They have that, right? You go to a Christian college, they have, I'm trying to think of the right word, but you know, they have their beliefs and you have to agree, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to do this, 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 and this, blah, 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 blah. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. If you're going to work for a company and they have these rules and morals and ethics, they want you to follow. Like when I worked at Focus on the Family, this was years ago when it was in Pomona, California. So it was under Dr. Dobson years ago when it was before it got as big and corrupt as it is today. I I will say that... I was told when I worked at Focus, everything that you do when people ask you where you work, it's going to reflect on Dr. Dobson. So be very careful what you do, right? Because it's going to reflect poorly on Focus on the Family. Um, Made complete sense, right? As is anything. If you work somewhere else, GM Motors, let's say, I don't know. I don't know. If you work some secular company, if somebody knows you work there, yeah, oh, wow, you work for so-and-so, wow, that's kind of interesting, you know. But maybe their morals and their guidelines are different than working at Focus on the Family or Dave Ramsey Solutions. I don't know, but if you sign it, you should obey it. If you don't agree with it, then don't take the dang job. I believe that, okay? I think this about, you know, Christian colleges, which, you know, don't even get me started on that, you know, because there's been controversy about that, too. Oh, you say, you want to go to Moody Radio or Moody College or whatever, then, you know, we have this statement of belief. Are you a Christian? You believe this? No sex outside of marriage? No. Yeah, I mean, common sense, biblical stuff. Oh, wait, we're going to strike that now from, you know, we're going to strike that because we don't want to offend anybody. Blah, 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 whatever. Anyway. Okay, so if you sign it, then obey it. And if you can't, then don't don't take the job. I, I don't see anything wrong with his policy is my point. And this. This is where it cut out again. Just push your microphone or something. Or... No. I think it may have come back. Did it come back yet? No. Yeah, you no, but it's making lots of noise when no, you do that. How's that better? Uh, much better. Yeah. It's a miracle. The mic is back. Okay. Anyway, my point is, is that if you get hired at a company and they have these morals, you should abide by them. But these people, 
they like to whine and complain. Well, they fired me because of it. Well, it's your own stinking fault, in my opinion. If you did the dirty deed and they busted you, then you should be fired. And I know that sounds cold, right? But I mean, honestly, that's why these, why take the job if you don't think you can keep your clothes on or whatever? You know what I'm saying? I mean, am I alone in this? You guys have comments about this? I'd like to know what you, you Bramble, what do you think? Am I overreacting? No. Uh, You're not overreacting. Where it seems I, too, question the providing alcohol right. at, at the company party. I wouldn't now, do that myself. Now, now granted, I, you know, I've worked at secular companies where alcohol was provided. Um, you know, and there are, you know, just whatever, civic events you know, where alcohol is provided. But... You know, a company that has a moral code. Moral code. There you go. You know, th- this moral code. I'm trying to think uh, of the They have to agree with, you know, alcohol often fuels <laughs> those other behaviors. So. You know, because people lose their inhibitions and, right. and, their, and their reasoning, you know, their thinking is clouded and, uh, you know, what, what are they... What what's the what's the word we use? You know, um, uh, what we talk about. Um, oh come on! It just left me. It was on the tip of my tongue. Menopause. Yeah, that's yeah. it. No, but uh, you know when uh, someone's under the influence, they are um, intoxicated. Well, they're intoxicated. In uninhibited. In- impaired impaired you know we talk about you know judgment being impaired we talk about you know reasoning being impaired we talk about all these things being impaired right one of them the influence of alcohol so it's like in a company that has this culture this moral code why would you introduce alcohol why would you well see if ramsey did introduce alcohol then that's on him what a butthead for doing that yeah, but, I mean, but all these people, you know, whatever, uh, filing lawsuits, you know, oh, I had sex outside of marriage, you know, and got caught, then, you know, I shouldn't lose my job. Oh, I came out publicly as a lesbian. I should be. Well, if in, in <laughs> right? general, yeah, if it's, you know, secular company, ABC industries, certainly. But if, yeah, if you signed a code of conduct, you signed, a, you know, a moral code of conduct as conditions of your employment and you violate those whatever those conditions of employment are sometimes it's a non-compete clause sometimes it's you know they're you know they're not moral things well basically speaking but they're just you know that that you have to you know you have to wear this when you work you know there are some lot of yeah, lot I, of employers have I had condition- a dress I had a dress code when I worked at Focus right have conditions know? of employment and if you violate it, you greet those, say, yes, I will live by that code. And then you don't, <laughs> you don't have, you don't have much of a, you know, leg to stand on to say, oh, I was fired unjustly. Well, you were fired on, you were fired according to the conditions that you agreed to. Right. And I think the issue though here, continuing with this article, is that there is controversy over how Ramsey treats male employees who have been busted or whatever versus the women. So continuing, it says, but one newly surfaced allegation revealed during a recent on the record case management conference 
between attorneys in the O'Connor case, a court record of which was obtained by the scene, raises questions about how the company handles alleged sexual misconduct. During the conference, one of O'Connor's attorneys said that a male employee came to Ramsey confessing that he'd had an affair and saying that the woman involved was alleging, quote, parts of it, unquote, were non-consensual. The attorney said Ramsey emailed the company's human resources committee, telling them that, quote, this poor guy, unquote, was being accused and, quote, this woman's crazy, unquote. Now, this is where the problem is, right? Other emails from Ramsey cited in court filings by the company's attorneys show him uh, taking what would be known in evangelical circles as the love the sinner, hate the sin approach, which Gandhi said, I think. It wasn't Jesus that said that, by the way. It drives me crazy when I hear that, but anyway. <sighs> approach to O'Connor's firing. While, every, by, while agreeing with the HRC's decision that she should be fired while pregnant for having sex outside of marriage, he told them, to, quote, love her and offer lots of grace, care for the child, money, counseling, and pastor support. But the culture at his company, as described by former employees, sounds more like a strict, sexist youth group where judgmental gossip is prevalent and women are viewed with suspicion as potential objects of temptation to the men at the office. A man who recently left Ramsey Solutions tells the scene that women were, quote, held to a modesty standard, unquote, while men were not. He recalls hearing on more than one occasion about women's only meetings in which the women were told not to dress in ways that would be provocative to the men whose attire was apparently not a concern. One of the women who spoke to the scene, a former employee who left the company in 2019, shares the explanation she received for the company's policies about so-called righteous living. Quote, someone I knew there that worked in PR said, ellipsis, God won't bless the company if there's sin in the company, so that's why they follow the righteous living thing, so God will bless the company in business. Basically, like God's, like a genie, jokes on them because there was a lot of people living with people or having premarital sex, whatever they consider bad sins, while people got, get drunk at the Christmas party. That's, that's a quote. The same woman says she was once called in to talk to her boss because another staffer had reported seeing her walking out to the parking lot and leaving for lunch with a married male co-worker. Both ended up having to defend the platonic nature of their friend relationship to their managers. The woman says she was told not to walk to and from the parking lot alone with male co-workers. See, now I think that's over. That's overkill. You know, I personally think that's overkill. It's like... I understand the reason for it, but I think it's overkill. The other woman who spoke to the scene says she and her now husband got married far sooner than they planned because their living situations changed and she worried about losing her job if they moved in together. Later, after they eloped, she feared people at work would assume it was a shotgun wedding. I had some friends who worked there who were like, oh, girl, you better not get pregnant super fast. They're going to think you got pregnant before you got married, she says. Ultimately, the woman left the company earlier this year because of the toxicity of Ramsey. She says the company's namesake goes beyond the mere tough, loving financial advisor he plays on the radio to more of a bullying leader. His handling of COVID-19 in 2020 was appalling, she said, and only added to the urgent feeling that she needed to leave. Dave just seemed to become more and more unhinged as the year went on and I just like morally could not stand by like by that and be like yes I support this man and his behavior and the way he speaks to people and his attitude it no longer fell in line with what I would consider a Christian organization and I'm a Christian I have been the majority of my life gosh 20 something years 
that's so long. Anyway, the... <laughs> The way that Dave and the leadership carry themselves and represent the organization is in no way biblical, at least the Bible that I know and read and love. The longer I was there, the more uncomfortable I got, and the more there were just a stirring of, this is not where you're supposed to be. This is toxic. Get out. I have no doubt it's toxic. I actually have friends I play pickleball with who who work there, so I should probably talk to them about it and see what they think, but... um. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that that there's unhealthy elements at, at Ramsey Solutions. But I also don't think that everything that being reported is is fair to him either, especially when you consider that nobody forced nobody's putting a gun to your head to sign a moral clause thing. Okay. If you're you need the job and this is what you knew you were getting into, then stop being loose. Right? I mean and that again goes to how I started this show. Talking about, are you walking in the darkness or are you walking in the light? Are you allowing the things of the world to lure you as you walk in darkness and fulfill the lusts of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life? Or are you walking according to the word of God and, and trying to submit to the commandments that God has given us to submit to? You know, Janet Parshall, years ago, she, she still says this, I'm sure I don't listen to her anymore, but... <laughs> One of the things Janet Parshall, Christian broadcaster, formerly known as the Queen of Christian Radio, used to say on her show and probably still does, is that, you know what, God gave us parameters because he doesn't want to see us get hurt. Little sheep stay within the parameters that God created. If you stay within those parameters, you're not going to get hurt the way, you know. And so in other words... And I'm not your mother, but in other words, if you're going to have sex outside of marriage, you could get an STD. You could get pregnant, which is going to create problems for that unborn, that, that baby, should you actually have the baby. Or maybe you'll decide to, you know, not have the baby. Maybe you'll give the baby up for adoption, or maybe you will not have the baby alive anymore. Whatever that one act can do can change your life if you do things wrong, right? And I'm talking to believers, not unbelievers, because they don't know, right? God doesn't want us to be hurt. He loves us. He protects us. He wants us to be walking in the light, to crucify our flesh. You know, the Bible says that we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. So consider this. Next time you turn on your TV set and you're tempted by that MA rating show or the show that you know has things in it that God wouldn't want to watch, consider him in you. He's in you. His spirit's in you. If something is telling you, don't do it, don't do it. You know, the Israelites were hard-headed and hard-hearted, actually. If you read the word, it actually says they are both hard-headed and hard-hearted. Stubborn and hard-hearted. We're the same. All of us have areas we struggle with, but God's grace is sufficient if we submit to him and do our best to pursue him. And my encouragement to you is to do just that. You know what? If somebody thinks you're a Jesus freak because you're in the Bible, say thank you for noticing. You know? But don't walk around being a complete hypocrite because you're not obeying what you're reading. You know? Pick yourself up. Confess your sin. And move forward. Because it doesn't, it doesn't help you by remaining stuck. Um, so to be holy, 
means to be set apart. And if there's nothing in your life that sets you apart from other believers or, or not even other believers, but from the world, then, then I would ask your, I would ask you to consider why that is at this point, you know, um, we live in a hard day in a hard age. Fear is among us. Um, you know, I have my struggles. I doubt. <laughs> I wonder where's the next dollar going to come from. You know, I mean, I have, I have my struggles. I'm not preaching, you know, at you because I don't understand things. But what I can tell you, honestly, is that the Bible says if you trust in the Lord with all your heart, and you don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, he will make your path straight and he will take care of you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you because he loves you. And the devil wants to deter you from that belief and walking in a way of victory, you know. And the church honestly wants to snare you at times too by giving you rules and laws and stuff that you should do so that you can earn your way into heaven. But that's not biblical either because you can't earn your way into heaven. You can only know that Jesus died for you. He came to us. We celebrate his birth at this time of the year, and it's a miraculous thing. It's a great thing. And here's the thing. Mary pondered these things in her heart. She treasured what Jesus did in her heart. That's all I'm begin- I want you to do. Consider that. Consider treasuring Jesus in your heart this season. You know? Why not? I bet you, and, I, and no money involved here, but I bet you if you did that, your perspective might change on a few things. So I'm going to leave it there. Um, Invite you again to join my email list over at BibleNewsRadio.com, right there. Um, Again, if you want to donate to the program for a year-end donation, that would be great. We'd love that. You can also do that there at BibleNewsRadio.com. And just know that what we do here at Heart Tug International, our goal is to reach the hearts of people one verse at a time, but also to exhort you and realize that, you know, you only have one life, guys. You know, I, I'm still pretty sad. My friend died. His funeral's Friday, Saturday. Fifth person this year I've lost to death, including my dad. So these things are ever before me because it's been a tough year. Um, don't waste your present in light of where you're going. Because this is just brief. But where you're going is going to be forever. Um, and if you're a Christian, you're going to be with Jesus forever. So the best is yet to come. Um, so as I always say, I used to say all the time, be bold, stand up, and go with God because he loves you. And we'll see you next week, Lord willing. 